please stay tuned to Forthright Radio. Welcome to this Forthright Radio for November 4th, 2020. I'm Joy LaClaire. We have a very full show for you today on this day after the November 3rd election. Joining me is KZYX Program Director Alicia Bales. Good morning, Alicia. Good morning, Joy. And also Wednesday morning public affairs host Karen Audubonny. Good morning, Karen. Good morning, Joy. Well, it's really good to have you both sharing the seats with me today while we try to sort through all this. Uh, we'll also be hearing from First District Supervisor-elect Glenn McWhorty in about a half an hour. Together we will be dissecting what we know about the results locally, statewide, and nationally. And as we come to you this morning, the presidential election remains too close to call, with former Vice President Biden with a narrow lead in electoral votes over incumbent Donald Trump. And different sources have different counts. Um, as of about 15 minutes ago, the Washington Post has Biden with 224 electoral votes. The New York Times has Biden with 227. And the Associated Press has 238 for Biden. But all three outlets agree that Trump now currently has 213 votes. And uh, likewise, uh, the the control of the U.S. Senate is also too close to call. And the AP is currently showing that the Democrats have 47, what they're calling votes, and the Republicans also with 47. But the Washington Post agrees they're tied, but puts it at 45 to 45. And um, too far, uh, so far, the Democrats have flipped two seats and the Republicans won. But before we go into greater detail nationally, Karen, would you please share with the listeners what we know about the Mendocino County and state results? Okay, well, um, they're still coming in. What we do know is that Mendocino County had a great turnout. I want to just tell everybody that as Joy and I talked about, and she'll mention, um, the turnout over the country as well as the um, Cal uh, Mendocino County and California has been greater than ever. Um, I just want to give some stats on Mendocino County because everybody always likes to know the stats. Uh, we have uh, potential voters for Mendocino County is 63,021. Register voted for counties for the county is 53,697. Um, as of Monday of this week, uh, 32,000 votes had been turned in but as of the reporting at our county's website as of last night at 11 um, 11 p.m late uh, the total that had been counted was 25,547 so that's 47.6 62 percent of the vote that's been counted as of now 
So the, as of now, we have a new supervisor in the first district, which is Glenn McGordy, and he will be calling in. And it appears pretty final that the second district supervisor to elected will be Mo Mulhern. So that's where we're at with those. Um, once we get back to my section, unless you want me to do it now, I can read down all the propositions and stuff that happened in the county. Um, we can yeah, go to- for it. Do that. Okay. Um, the other thing is, is I didn't know if we wanted to talk about some of the details about um, we still have voting coming county coming in, but some good trends have been set. So, uh, for um, do we want to get down into the Point Arena High School districts and those kind of things? Maybe we can do that later. But uh, so proposition wise, because there was some hot ballot measures or hot proposition ballot measures uh, for Mendocino County, Proposition fourteen. Um, it looks like it's a yes in Mendocino County. And it's still undecided at the state level. Proposition 15 is a yes in Mendocino County in the state level. Karen, yes. uh, would you just very briefly remind listeners what each of the propositions is about as you mention these? Uh, okay, so Proposition uh, 14, that was the medical research, stem cell research uh, in Mendocino County that won at the state level, there's only 72% of the state level that's been reported. So we've still got 28% left to come in. But at the state level, that's running at a yes, but hasn't been declared yes. Proposition 15, which was the commercial changing, the commercial property tax that was for, they label it as for schools and that kind of thing. Uh, that in Mendocino County won. Yes, a substantial yes vote. Uh, at the state level, it's still undecided, but it's running at about 52%. Uh, Proposition 16, that was the end of a banning a diversity ban. They wanted to end that. That is uh, running at an, in Mendocino County. That was 16 was a no vote, to be honest with you. And it's running uh, no at the state level, not decided yet. Proposition 17, which is to restore a vote for former felons, that in Mendocino County um, was is a, a, a no, and at the state level it's running as a no also. That hasn't been declared, but that's got 50... It's opposite? Yeah, Wait the felon vote is, uh, is actually winning statewide. I'm not looking at Mendocino County, but uh, according to the Washington Post, restoring f- voting rights to former felons is running at oh, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. 59%. I missed one. Sorry so about it. That's actually one of Keep our glimmers up. of good that's news. A, that's <laughs> one of the glimmers. I <laughs> don't want to let that go. I'm going from computer to paperwork here, so i got to get them <laughs> close together. So, yes. So, uh, the former restore felons, which is... Alicia's going to keep me on top because she's got her computer going at the same time. We've got so many numbers coming in, folks, for you. Okay, <laughs> Proposition 17, restoring former felon votes was a yes at the state level, a yes at Mendocino County level. Proposition 18, which was allowing 17-year-olds to vote in the primaries, that's running at a yes in Mendocino County, a no at statewide. It's not been declared, but that's the trend. Okay, we're talking trends here. Okay, pro- uh, Proposition 19, which is the change... For property tax rules for seniors and inheriting houses and that kind of thing, that was a yes in Mendocino County, and that's running at a yes but not declared at the state level. Proposition 20, which was stricter parole and sentencing, that was running, that's definitely a no at Mendocino County level, and that is a declared no at the state level. 
Okay. Proposition 21, which was local government rent control, was a definite no in Mendocino County, and it is a definitive no statewide. No? Yes, that's correct. I'm just shaking my head. Oh, she's. <laughs> well, I'm watching to see if she's shaking her head because I'm wrong or no, because no, we're you're, just disappointed. You're absolutely right. But, okay. oh, All right. That one's a lot. That's a hard one. Okay, so rent control. All righty. So then we go from the rent control. With, uh, that was Proposition 21. All right, so Proposition 22. Now, let me state this spending for this proposition, which is Uber contract labor. The yes, on this or no on this proposition spent the most money ever spent on any proposition in the United States all right and it worked they got a um, proposition 22 is a yes so that kind of defeated the whole thing that the Senate had done so that's uh, it was a no for Mendocino County and a yes at state level and that has been declared a winner our, our, so there you go. Right. So Uber and Lyft drivers uh, will continue to be able to drive as contract workers rather than, than as full being, employees. Being employees, as yes. they tried to do in the state legislature with AB five. Right. That was in the legislature, and that got de- de- defeated by the voters and by money. <laughs> Sorry, my opinion only. <laughs> Which everybody in Mendocino County that knows me is that this is my opinion. It has nothing to do with the station or anybody else around here. Okay. All right. So then we go to proposition. Uh, uh, 23, which was the dialysis clinic standards, that went down no in Mendocino County, and it's been a declared no at the state level also. Proposition 24, which expanded tw- uh, consumer privacy, that was a yes in Mendocino County, and at the state level, they haven't declared it, but it's running uh, a yes at 56%. Then we have the last proposition, 25, which was pre- uh, dealt with cash bail re- approve um, replacing cash bail that was a yes in Mendocino County and that has not been declared but is running at 55 percent no at the state level so now we know how Mendocino County compared to the state on the propositions there we go yeah well well that was quite the rundown thank you so much Alicia, did you want to make any comments on what Karen just told us? Well, a couple of these races where uh, Mendocino County came down much more progressive than the state, um, I think a lot of us are scratching our heads about how many of the, like the affirmative action ban and the rent control and uh, the, the cash bail propositions went down. Uh, they lost, and in a state as progressive as California, it's it's like how do we make make sense of that? But the other thing is Mendocino County; these per, these first returns show Joe Biden ahead seventy five percent to twenty something percent yeah, for right. Trump. We are an extremely blue county, even though sometimes it may not feel that way. Extremely and blue, and and that's just reinforced by the the fact that Mendocino County did, in fact, come out in favor of several of these more progressive propositions. Well, and that's been the trend over the years. I've been watching the propositions now. I don't want to say how many, but that has been the trend when you compare the state level with the county's level of yes and no's. Mendocino County does run progressive. As I say, we live in a double bubble. So, yes. Yes, I quoted you last night during the national Did coverage. You? Yes, the double bubble. And it's interesting because if you look at the state map, for the state ballot propositions. The east side of California, the rural east, is very red. 
Yes. Uh, and so we are a rural county as well, but we're we're in the blue part of the rural part of, the, of Northern California. So, you know, I, I just think that's really fascinating. And well, as they say, it's the left coast rural. <laughs> And, um, yeah, (laughs) Um, well, I would like to share some of the national initiative results. And here's a headline that uh, many of our listeners will find heartening, I predict. One in three Americans now lives in a state where recreational marijuana is legal. New Jersey, Arizona, and Montana passed measures to legalize adult-use marijuana, and South Dakota became the first state to authorize both medical and recreational sales at the same time. Uh, so there is that, and um, this is one. This is where. You will be happy that I got up at 3 o'clock this morning to go through the minutiae, uh, the little tiny no taxation without representation, poor folks in Washington, D.C., passed an amendment that, uh, where the heck is it now? Okay, Initiative 81 declares that investigations and arrests related to non-commercial prices of entheogenic plant and fungi are among the district's lowest law enforcement priorities, and it passed with more than 76% of the vote. Now, if you're like me and you had to look up what entheogenic plants and fungus means, it's any plant or fungus of any species in which there is naturally occurring any of the following substances in any form which would cause such plant or fungus, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, it's things like psilocybin and mescaline and psilocin and things like that. So there is that. Um, And let's see, there are quite a few other interesting. um, So Oregon uh, passed measures 109 and 110. um, And that um, and these. These are unofficial results, but they're leading by uh, very large margins. So uh, 109 is psilocybin mushroom services is the name of it. And 110 is drug decriminalization and addiction treatment. So they're going really way, way into the realm of um, what many of us would consider enlightened uh, criminal justice reform around these issues that also address um, drug treatment and recovering programs uh, to be financed by the state's marijuana tax revenue in Oregon. Um, the other one that I found interesting was several states uh, had ranked choice voting on the ballots, and so far they have not been doing very well. Uh, Very briefly, ranked choice voting would allow um, a way out of the gridlock of uh, being restricted to the two-party system and voting for the lesser of two evils because you don't want the other guy to win. What happens is um, you vote like four different in order of your preference for individuals, if none of the 
uh, candidates receives 50% plus one, then whoever um, whoever your second choice was uh, becomes your first choice, etc. down the line. They have it in Maine, and it'll be very interesting to see how it turns out because of the hotly contested Senate race there with Susan Collins. And although that race has not been decided yet, she actually, Susan Collins actually um, is prevailing at this point as we stand, but it, she has a long way to go, actually. Um, here we are. I'm, I'm just all over the map here. But I wanted to let you know about the House of Representatives. Uh, the Dem Democrats had hoped to gain 15 seats. Turns out they have lost, according to the AP, they have lost at least seven incumbents. That's as of Wednesday. And with only gains uh, were two in North Carolina seats vacated by GOP incumbents after a court-ordered remapping made the districts more Democratic. You may recall that um, court action. As things stand about 20 minutes ago, the New York Times is listing the Democrats with 195 seats, the Republicans 185 so that's much closer than before yesterday. The Washington Post gives the Democrats only 176 to the Republicans 169. They declare that there are two, 218 that are undecided. Politico gives the Democrats 193 and Republicans 185. So they're closer to the New York Times list. And some of the uh, Republicans who have uh, um, won races are extremely conservative, such as Representative uh, Lauren Boebert, who won the Colorado House race. You may recall her as being the woman who uh, walks around with a Glock strapped to her hip. Uh, she is, uh, and she is, uh, has apparently, has won a uh, race in a district that, uh, according to the AP, is the size of the state of Pennsylvania. So that's, that's really something. Um, then, let's see, um, Republican Maria Elvira Salazar defeated Democrat Donna Shalala for a House seat in Florida. Um, Republican Representative Ashley Hinson defeated the Democratic incumbent a Abby Finkenauer in, South in northeastern Iowa. Oklahoma Republican defeated well, one-term Congresswoman Kendra Horn. Um, she was part of the blue wave in 2018. A lot of these changes were from the blue wave in 2018. Um, Let's see, on and on down. Uh, la, 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 la. Uh, re, uh, again, in Miami-Dade County, uh, Republican Mayor Carlos Jimenez uh, overturned the new freshman Democrat, Demi Mukarcel Powell. So those two Southern Florida votes returned to the Republican fold. And in examining the elections across the country, it really does seem that the places where uh, incumbent Donald Trump took 
the state, his coattails uh, were very, very, very sticky for the down ballot uh, people. Uh, that was certainly true here in the state of Montana, where the incumbent um, Republican senators, freshman uh, Steve Daines, defeated very popular two-time Governor uh, Steve Bullock, who had uh, prevailed in 2016 during the 20-point um, lead by Donald Trump. Uh, he uh, has lost to Steve Daines. Steve Daines' former partner in their um, high-tech firm in Bozeman, Montana, uh, Right Now Technologies, which they sold, um, I don't know, 2012, something like that, to Oracle for about $2 billion. His partner, Greg Gianforte, who listeners may remember was the guy who slugged the Guardian reporter the night before the election in 2018. What a prince. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he he defeated uh, the uh, incumbent lieutenant governor uh, for the governor's race. And then uh, the... Republican auditor of the state, Matt Rosendale, has uh, defeated uh, uh, Kathleen Williams for the loan. We only have one congressional seat here in Montana, and so all three are now Republican. Um, I can take a little break if somebody wants to make any comments on um, what we've said so far. Right. Sounds like Montana is another one of those um, contradictory states, because while you had a bloodbath with a full on red wave in Montana, you also legalized marijuana. Yes, I think marijuana is not a left right thing anymore. It, that's the impression I have uh, when when states like South Dakota go for it. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I bet there are a lot of issues like that across the country that there's pretty much broad agreement on whatever side of the political spectrum you are. I think maybe not a lot, but a handful of issues like that. Well, one of the things that's interesting and thank you, uh, Joy, from coming from Montana, it gives us another insight is that. Michael Moore had said, I don't know, a year and a half ago, that if you got marijuana on the ballots in a lot of these states that had been read, it might pull some of the blue vote to the polls because of the whole marijuana issue being so generally accepted both on both sides of the parties. So uh, I guess that didn't work in Montana, it sounds like to me, because <laughs> it was on the ballot, yet it went really red. So some of these some of these philosophies or suggestions on how you bring voters to the, you know, to the table um, that didn't pan out, I guess. I guess I should we should look at it some other states, but at least in Montana, it didn't work. How's that? Well, I think it's an out of date assumption is what I'm saying. Oh. I don't think it's any longer. I think there are plenty of right wing people that like to smoke pot. <laughs> is what I'm saying. Okay, so it's not going to bring out a blue and they wave. don't want. And, and you know what? Um, I think that among the arguments that are made, and certainly was made in Montana, there's two. Um, it would alleviate some of because it'll be taxed. It'll alleviate some of the problems that the state has uh, providing services. And then the other one of we don't want to be spending our tax dollars 
prosecuting people and locking them up. And so it's a fiscal argument as much as it is like a lifestyle argument or something, you know? Huh, huh interesting. Not So it's not a social argument, it's a fiscal argument. That makes it's sense. It's much yeah. less, yeah, yeah, much less of a social argument. I mean, there's still plenty of people, that, and the, the no on that ballot initiative. Um, oh, um, I understand we have uh, Supervisor-elect Glenn McGordy on the line. Uh, let, let's invite him into the conversation. All right. Good. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. She's, well, she's doing that. Um, yeah, and at some point here, we'll be talking to Glenn McGordy. Um, we, at some point in the next week or so, I'm sure we'll get Mo Mulhern on the air also to talk about her district win. Uh, I do want to say that, as everybody would assume, because we are progressive, Mendocino County did uh, re-elect uh, Jim Wood, and uh, so that's gone ahead. Um, there's some local initiatives and that were happening. Um, let's see, Potter Valley. Uh, let's let's start with Point Arena. They had the high school district governing board, and there were supposed to be the top three people there. Um, the trend is that uh, Sigrid Hilskin looks like had came in with the most votes. Then we've got um, Thompson in the next coming down, and then Bob Gardner. So that would be the top vote getters in the Point Arena. Do we have uh, Glenn McGordy on? Yes, Glenn, are you with us? Yes. All right. Good. Morning. Good. Much better to hear your voice than that busy signal that we just got. Um, all right. Well, Glenn McGordy, you were running for supervisor in the first district in Mendocino County, and the initial returns have you at uh, somewhere around 60%. People are declaring you the supervisor-elect for the first district. How does it feel this morning? Well, it feels good, but I'll, I'll just say, uh, tell you right now, it ain't over till it's over. We still need some more vote counting, and being a scientist, I want all the data before we reach a conclusion. <laughs> oh, Glenn, I, that's so that's so great. For years, uh, this is Karen Audubonny. For years, I've I've tried to resist the urge that when they say that, oh, it's the night before, this is the trend, and all the votes that are going to be counted in isn't going to make a difference. And I I will say I resist that philosophy, but darn if it hasn't proven true. <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> Just to give you, I'm a I'm a count the last vote kind of gal too. But I will say the trends do tend to hold. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, well, and so I wonder what you're thinking about your your priorities for when yeah. you you are seated in January. Uh, well, you know, there, there's there's so so much to 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 work on. Uh, it's uh, I almost don't know where to start, <laughs> but I I know that the things I really care a lot about and why I ran, certainly natural resource issues, um, water being a real principal one for the first district, absolutely critical, Potter Valley Project, sustainable groundwater management, which I'm presently involved with, um, and uh, irrigated agricultural lands discharge waivers, which means you can't pollute water. Those are all things that uh, are important to me, uh, kind of, and part of the reason why I ran. The other thing I really want to see taken care of is Measure B. It's been sort of flopping around. We really need to get that finished. We have a timeline. Uh, my wife's been very, very involved with Measure B, and she's president of NAMI uh, in, the, in the past. And uh, I, I think that's something that uh, we really wanted uh, 
take care of. Um, other than that, you know, there's there's certainly tons of stuff to work on. <laughs> yeah, well, and I guess with your election now, we are going to get sort of two for one with your wife's involvement <laughs> with she, her expertise on Measure B. It's not like she's going to be working more on Measure B than she already is. She's quite involved in that. Uh, but I also know that you've been involved in all of these land resource issues for many, many years. It's been the focus of your life's work. So how do you think uh, your role on the Board of Supervisors is going to change your ability to make a difference in some of these issues? Well, I'll be there at some of the decision-making where we uh, have an opportunity to do something. Uh, you know, things that, that also matter to me, climate change for me is a big issue. Uh, it's something that there are practical solutions that we can work on. Uh, forest management, years and years of fire suppression coupled with drought, a really bad combination, and you can see these horrible fires we've been having are the result of that, and certainly for my district, we need to do more vegetation management, more of these shaded fuel breaks and and uh, other fire-safe practices. We have a really active fire-safe council. I'm very supportive of them because I'm really concerned about public safety. Uh, also, some infrastructure, particularly access to Internet and broadband, is something that is proven to be really difficult right now. We're trying to work from home and educate kids from home. We're really is glaring what our problems are, and, and if we have a way of of uh, improving that, I'm, I'm totally committed to that. It's something that I think is really important. You know, we're, we're kind of funny because part of Mendocino County doesn't want technology, and the other part wants it really bad. <laughs> so we're sort of somewhere in the middle, uh, but I'm very supportive of seeing more broadband access into Mendocino County. Um, I would. I don't want to let you go without asking you at this at this moment in the you know the first hours after the campaign is finished. Um, how would you reflect on on your campaign for supervisor? We're talking with Glenn McGordy, who is apparently the supervisor elect for the first district here in Mendocino County. Um, it has been a pretty amicable campaign, I have to say. Uh, most people mm-hmm. that I talked to thought. Both of the candidates were exceptional and would have been pretty pleased to have either one of you ascend to the Board of Supervisors. So we congratulate you. Um, how would you look back on this campaign and how it went? Well, first of all, I had an amazing uh, team behind me working with me. Uh, so I had a campaign steering committee that uh, really were, were pretty streetwise and pretty helpful, and that included Jerry Harris, Carol Hester, Tom Lydon. Um, Fontaine McFadden and my daughter Carolyn and my son-in-law Ben, who are both graduates of the Kennedy School of Government from Harvard. <laughs> so they had some good ideas. Uh, then, uh, then people like Brooke uh, Gamble, who helped with the electronic media part, uh, that, that really helped a lot. And then this amazing broad coalition of people. I've, I've never in my whole time in Mendocino County, see so many different kinds of people back me. Everybody from John Mayfield, who's a local businessman, to John Sackowitz, who was a, a candidate. Uh, everybody from Farm Bureau to the Sierra Club and Willis Environmental Center. And and that's really good, because I think that's what it's going to take. I've, I've said that, is that I'm not doing this job by myself. And, you know, other people have to come with me and give me a hand, because there's a lot of good thinking going on in our county. And while we are a poor county, we're not poor in, in intellect and we're not poor in good ideas. So I'm hoping to tap into those, that natural resource to kind of help us 
move this county forward. Uh, Glenn, it's Karen Audubon here. Um, um, congratulations. Uh, I did the debate with you and John. And one of the things, because I track the money, as, as people know on the listening here, um, so what do you, in the end, what do you think is going to be your expenditure for being able to run your campaign? I know that it was a different type of campaign because we were off the grid with COVID. So what do you think you're mm-hmm. going to, what, what's going to be the final numbers for having to have take this district? Do you have any idea? Ballpark? I don't know sure, but I know when I started, Harry Brown told me you're going to need about, to raise about $40,000 to do this. And okay. I thought, oh my God, how am I going to do that? And that probably is a close number. Okay. And most of those big expenditures have to do with mailings, which we had to do a lot of this campaign because I couldn't go door to door. I I wanted to, but I talked with uh, Andy Corrin about it, uh, our public health officer, and he said, "No way, it's not a, an essential uh, activity, and I don't want you doing it." <laughs> okay. So well, that meant we had to rely on mailers and and advertising, and all that stuff's expensive. It is. I've been just tracking it. So I've been tracking over the years what it takes and the, the increase in the cost to run for a supervisor's position. So thank you for enlightening us on that. Right. And I imagine okay. that those concerns about COVID are going to continue to be top priority for the Board of Supervisors here in Mendocino County. I'm so encouraged to hear you talk about climate change and the coalition that has supported you with that being your one of your top priorities of Mendocino County really grappling with what practically needs to be done on the ground here in order to get us uh, both ready for the effects of climate change and also hoping to mitigate some of the 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 cha- the climate changes themselves with um, some of the resources that we have here that can can play a role here in, uh, on the global scene namely our forests yeah and I think yeah. I, just to put in I think a lot of that Glenn is going to be preparation for the communities to deal with climate change um, I will tell you flat out I've had my property for 36 years and for the first time in that year my my spring, which is the headwaters, has uh, gone underground. So I think it's going to be an issue of us preparing our communities. So thank you for being there. Yeah, well, and, and I'm sincere about that. And I, I think that we can we can do things. We don't have to sit on the sidelines and wring our hands. I mean, I, I certainly I've been active with a, the uh, Healthy Soil Program that California Department of Food and Ag has been promoting of trying to sequester more carbon in soil and and I've been involved in research that looks at where is carbon sequestered in a farm landscape, so we know a lot. You know, so we have to put those practices uh, to work. And are you willing to talk to us here at KZYX about all of these practices and these ideas? We sure would love to hear from you. Oh, yeah, we want to get you on the air for <laughs> many, many times coming up in the next four years. Always. You guys have my phone number. Oh, that's, that's I don't know if that's a good thing to say to me, but thank you, Glenn. <laughs> we will be talking. We will be talking. All right. Glenn McGordy, Supervisor-Elect for Mendocino County's 1st District in Talmadge, Redwood Valley, and Potter Valley. Thank you so much, and congratulations. Thank you again. All right. Well, that was very good to hear um, someone with values that, that we three at least share. Um, and I, I too am very concerned about the ramifications in terms of climate change that uh, the tendencies that these this election are showing us. And a reminder 
Today is the day the United States is officially leaving the Paris Climate Accord. And whether or not um, Biden ultimately prevails or Trump ultimately prevails, that is today a fact. And um, insufficient as those accords are, they were at least a, um, a unified agreement in a direction to mitigate climate change. Um, so we could get very, very depressed considering that. But I do want to um, let some listeners know about some bucking of trends. The so-called squad of four women who were elected in 2018 to Congress and who uh, Mr. Trump has been virulently aggressive um, in castigating, each one of them has been reelected by astounding majorities. Ilan Omar, 64% of the vote. Rashida Tlaib, 76.9% of the wow. vote. Wow. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, 68.8% of the vote. Ayanna Presley, 87.8% of the vote. Whoa, 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 whoa. Yes, go so, women. <laughs> there's that. And um, also uh, transgender rights and uh, gay rights. Uh, Mondaire, um, let's see. I don't, I don't have my facts down too well. Um, in New York, Democrats Mondaire Jones and Richie Torres are set to become the first two openly gay black men elected to Congress. Um, and so, you know, stay tuned to watch that. And um, I've got too many notes here, so I can't, where the heck is, is this? Uh, but the first transgender woman has been elected where, oh, hold on, Sarah McBride. Yeah makes uh, history as first openly trans oh this is state senator not to the house, not to the uh, DC Congress but still the, um, that is quite an historic election um, in Delaware so, so uh, joy um, yeah because you're watching the minutia of the the national a little bit better than I have, and I think more will be coming out. But what I'm seeing is that it seems like the progressive agenda or the progressive candidates are winning at the state levels, not maybe so much at the national levels for uh, senators and House of Representatives, but at the state levels for their legislature, it seems like we're getting a little bit more diversification in our elected uh, officials. Is that what are you seeing that trend having looked at it all well, night? here and there i think that that is true the democrats have been notorious over decades for ignoring the state houses and i think they are within the last few years realizing the foolishness of that point of view and this was especially important in 2020 because this is the uh, year whoever gains control of state houses will have control of redistricting, which oh, occurs right. every 10 years yes. after this, the results of the census. Uh, uh, the census. So um, 
We'll have to keep our eye. I have, I have done some minutiae, but I mean, my goodness, <laughs> um, not enough. And and furthermore, things aren't final in in many places. So um, as you say, we do have to keep our eyes open on that. But I do want to talk about some of the incumbents uh, who have been booted out of Congress. And uh, this is according to Politico. Uh, not surprising, Senator Doug Jones, Democrat of Alabama, who took on Jeff Sessions' former seat. He's he's been um, um, he's lost to the coach uh, Tuberman. Uh, Arizona Republican Senator Marthy McSally has uh, lost her seat. Colorado Senator Cory Gardner Republican lost to um, Hickenlooper. Um, we've already mentioned representatives in Florida. They lost their seats. In Minnesota, Representative Colin Peterson, Democrat, he lost his seat. Now, this he's a very conservative Democrat, and he even voted against the um, impeachment. But nonetheless, he lost his seat uh, to the Republican. Uh, in New Mexico, uh, Representative Shoshitl Torres Small lost his seat. And in South Carolina, rep uh, he's a Democrat. And in South Carolina, Representative Joe Cunningham, also a Democrat, lost his seat. So, um, oh, and one more thing we have to talk about is the Georgia Republican QAnon believer who ran on QAnon, uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene, has won her House as was predicted, because it's a gerrymandered seat, very reliably um, Republican. So um, those are the updates. Oh, a couple of more initiatives I wanted to mention. Um, a couple of states did um, initiatives to repeal slavery. So Utah was one of those, and Nebraska, and you might think, whoa, uh, didn't that happen in the 19th century? Did Federally, yes, but certain state constitutions had had it on the books. So that's, uh, thank goodness they've done that. Um, but also Utah passed an amendment to make language in the state constitution gender neutral. So... Let's hear it for Utah. And in Nebraska, uh, along with repealing language allowing slavery or involuntary servitude as criminal punishment, they capped payday loan interest payments at 35% a year. Now, that sounds outrageously high, but that is actually a consumer protection victory in Nebraska. Um, so... There are pockets oh, and of one hope. More, one more. Let me just get this out. Florida voters raise the minimum wage to $15 an hour. Right. Another victory. Yeah, another victory. They are. For uh, consumers. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there are victories, uh, pockets around and different things moving around. But yeah. It's, uh, but generally, overall, I feel kind of at the Senate and the House level. It's a little bit status quo. There's no, I know a lot of us were talking about a big blue wave, and that definitely did not happen. 
Definitely. Definitely didn't happen. Did not happen. (laughs) Which I I think I find, I mean, a lot of the pundits I was listening to last night um, were talking about, there's still last night they were talking about a blue wave, and I haven't been able to catch those pundits this morning to see what they're saying. So uh, it will be interesting in the next few days to see where everything um, got, you know, crossed over. I will say I think everybody's just about given up on polls. Um, yeah, I, I think that's the that's, big general thing is why do we even have these polling? There's a lot of companies making a lot of money and it's sure as heck not helping the situation. Yeah, there's there's money involved, um, both from the poll taking and also the media. They have to have something to report and they prefer to do horse races rather than issues. So, exactly. um, you know what, ladies, um, let's invite our listeners to join our conversation. Um, we want to hear what you have to say about the election. So give us a call at 707-895-2448 and share your thoughts with us and with the listeners on KCYXNZ. And I'll just let you ladies in the studio let me know when that's happening. Sure. Uh, sounds good, Joy. And I just want to tell everybody that's locally, you can go to the Mendocino County elections uh, site, the uh, Registrar Voter site, and it does come up with the current as of last night and with having uh, 47 or 6 percent of the votes, 47 percent of the vote counted where we're at in the county. So you can see like your city councils, you can see your school boards and that more detailed. So we do have a caller. Good morning, caller. You're on the air with us, I believe. Good morning, caller. Good morning. Let me reach over here and see if I can. Yeah, yeah turn those radios um, off. Uh, I wanted to share something I was just reading. Uh, this is uh, from Salon.com, Amanda Marcote, uh, and she's discussing the psychology of Trump voters and how uh, it's basically doubling down on a bad idea, you know, uh, people being unwilling to admit they were wrong. And uh, she ends the article with a good quote here, I think. Uh, let me get down the bottom. Um, pardon me. Um but this is where we are, chewing our fingernails and praying that small shifts in the margins save us. Because 44.6% of our percent of our country would rather burn the whole thing to the ground than admit that the liberals had a point. Even if Joe Biden pulls this out, this country remains in real trouble. Thank you. Bye-bye. Well, that reminds me of um, a saying that's attributed to Mark Twain. It's easier to fool a man than to persuade him that he has been fooled. All right. And we're going to get another caller on, I believe, right now. Good morning, caller. You're on the air with us. Good morning. Good morning. Um, Good morning. I just want to comment on the super spreader event at the East Wing Um uh, during the ridiculous um, uh, attempt to uh, rally a coup. Um, uh, it, it, it's just astounding to me. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm the foolishness of that event um, and what is most likely to come of that in terms of the spread of COVID within the ranks um, is just astounding. 
And I just wanted to get that off my chest this morning. You know, caller, one of the things that I woke up with this morning was thinking about this campaign uh, and all of the super spreader events that President Trump has continued to perpetuate or perpetrate, uh, resulting in, I think they have found that there have been just an enormous number of infections from these Trump rallies across the country. And I feel like I, I woke up thinking, we we sort of normalized that, that he was doing that. But what an outrageous thing to have gone and done live rallies throughout his campaign, even when he himself became positive with COVID-19. Yes. And then to take it into a room without a mask, shoulder to shoulder, um, um, with all of these um, high position Republicans. Let's see what comes of that. Very good point. What I woke up this morning thinking about is Dr. Fauci and what happens there and how many more uh, unnecessary deaths are going to be happening between now and the new year because of the discrediting of an incredible Dr. Fauci. Um, He had 70, over 70% support across the nation. So, yeah, um, we're going to go in, even depending on how this election goes out, comes down, we're going into some dark times around COVID. So anyway, thank you for your call. Um, thank you. And I'm going to give the numbers out again, 895-2448, if you'd like to get involved in this conversation. And uh, until we get a call, I did want to just catch up. The biggest city we have in the county is Ukiah City. And the Ukiah City Council vote, there was two positions open. It looks like Steve Scalamini has uh, one. I think I said his name right. I don't know. And then Douglas Crane is uh, there at the top two. So it looks like those would be the two people that are going to be seated to the city council. Right. And those are the two incumbents. Those um, are the two incumbents. This one, yes. though, of course, I don't think anybody's resting on their laurels with this one uh, because there are so many votes still to be there counted. Are, and right. the margins are one percent separate one percent um, separation each of the so. four top vote getters so so it's 19 percent 18 percent 17 percent and 16 percent again we'll see if trends hold <laughs> that one could shift i mean around. it's, it's yep, been one, one of really those situations could. i've always thought it's not going to work and it always does so it's anyway a, we didn't talk much about the ukiah city council race here on kzyx but it was an interesting race the 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 two incumbents i think are, are pretty well known douglas Crane. He's been on the he's board the, for a yeah, while. Yeah, and he's the mayor. He uh, he came into our attention a couple months ago talking about uh, herd immunity as a strategy for, yes, yes, for yes. Um, COVID. Uh, Steve Scalmanini, of course, is a programmer here on KZYX, so we know him pretty well. He's the host yeah. of Corporations yes. and Democracy. Uh, and then the third place person, I think, is... Josefina Duenas. Yeah, thank you for pronouncing that. I was going to ask you to step in because I just slaughtered that. Yeah, so that is the third place. And the the spread is not that great. Mm -mm. So this is a place where they could be some changes, but we'll keep you informed of that. So listen, we're going to get a caller in here, aren't we? Yeah. So good morning, caller. You're with us on the air this morning. Yeah, thank you guys for the show and taking my call. Um, I remember right after Trump was elected the first time, there was a radio program um, in the morning, and I remember people calling in and crying, um, literally emotionally distraught and in fear. And I hope we don't have to go through that again. Um, I did want to share something that disgusts me every single time that we go through an election cycle is there's this discussion on NPR with um, talking heads from Republican side uh, and Democrat side, but mostly the Republican side really just, you know, disgusts me because 
they keep saying, well, we need to cater. How do we get the Mexican vote? How do we get the um, African-American vote? And they don't realize that the issues are that they're inhumane and that they are by their very talking points day in and day out um, saying things and making decisions that are marginalizing people. So rather than look at these as ways to get votes, they need to address the root cause of the problem. And it makes me sick. And I hope to God we don't have to deal with this for four more years. Thank you. Very good points about the reform and uh, working to get their votes and how do we do that? Yeah, the demographics are going to be fascinating when the final numbers come in because the amount of people, the percentage of people voting is really, really been high, higher than ever before in several states. Uh, Alaska, I mean, excuse me, the other one, Hawaii had a huge vote. Uh, I think Montana did too, didn't they have the one of the highest turnouts ever? Yes, yes, they right. did. In fact, um, virtually every state had record high turnouts or near record high. I just want to remind listeners that, uh, speaking of demographics, uh, this election is the 100th anniversary of the first election in which women had a federal right to vote. And some of the, like, as the caller was uh, calling talking heads, uh, there was anticipation that um, Trump was going to be trounced by uh, suburban women. And I don't think that it could be this close if that prediction had proven to be true. Um, so for those who were afraid to give women the right to vote and those who were sure that if you gave women the right to vote, we'd have really humane um, kinds of results. I think that history has not shown that. And um, anyway, just a reminder. Yeah, the first results that I'm seeing, a lot of talk about um, po exit polls showing a, a, a racial divide in this country in the votes and that uh, the majority of white men and white women still voted for Trump and the really? vast majority of men and women of color voted for Biden. So that's something I think we are going to have to grapple with big time. Yeah, and I'm, I'm really curious to see the demographics and the voting patterns of the new voters and the people that stepped up and did vote. It seems my gut feeling is it's pretty much going to remain the same, you know, split that we've seen in the past elections. So uh, unfortunately is that. But you know what? I know we're not going to have any time to take any more callers, but thank you for whoever's trying But it. we are going to open up the phone lines at 3 yeah. o'clock this afternoon. It's going to be a whole hour of open lines. We can just have a community discussion. You can call in. With your thoughts, we might know more. We might know her by then, but I I just want to take a minute because I know we Renee just came in and posted we it. We have that about one minute. We have a silent drive, folks, and if you've enjoyed hearing all this incredible coverage that we've brought to you, we need to bring some money into this station. We were in the middle of a silent drive, and we've got um, $50,000 that we brought in with 538 donations, but we want to get you involved in the community here. So if you can go to our website, www.kzox.org, and push the donate button, okay, and... Or you can, I'm just getting a high sign for time left, or you P.O. Box 1 in Philo, 
Or you can call in today at 895-2324. But we do need you to get involved in helping support this station because that's how we stay on the air. And that's how we are able to bring you these incredible programs. we got Joy from Montana. we got me here. we got all kinds of great programming that you get to hear in this afternoon. You're going to get to have an hour for open line discussion. So... Step up to the plate. And I would just like to add that the views and opinions expressed on Forthright Radio are those of the speaker and do not necessarily represent those of this station's staff, its members, board of directors, or contributors. And that's your call, listeners, to contribute. I couldn't have put it better than what Karen just said. And Karen, thank you so much for coming in this morning and joining us uh, to share what's going on locally and statewide. And Alicia, thank you also for all that you do for the station and for me as a programmer. I really appreciate it. Uh, Do you have any final words, Karen? Nope. Just stay tuned. Donate. And, uh...